If you're familiar with the origin story of this podcast, you'll know that it's rooted in identity and representation. And to be honest, these are things that I didn't critically think about and actively work on until a few years ago. Even as I heard people tell me over and over how good my English was, despite the fact that I grew up in an English-speaking country, and even as I internalized and then perpetuated stereotypes and prejudices against my own culture and people, it didn't fully occur to me just how wrong these things were. So when I read an Asia New Zealand Foundation article about a communication design student who had created three zines all about her experiences growing up as a second generation Cambodian New Zealander, I just thought, wow, the next generation are onto it. I reached out to Soteta Ming after I read that article and in this episode she chats with me about what inspired her work, her family's harrowing experiences during the Khmer Rouge regime in Cambodia and where she's at on her own identity journey. So I originally reached out to you because I saw an article in the Asia New Zealand Foundation website uh, where it talked about your design project. Um, Do you want to talk a bit about um, that project and why you wanted to do it? So it was a project I did for my final year as a communication designer and I decided to kind of like talk about my experiences as a second generation um, Cambodian New Zealander as well as my family's experience immigrating to New Zealand and also the experience in the um, Cambodian regime. I thought that it was a really good opportunity for me to express my feelings and thoughts um, in an in-depth manner about like personal topics because I never really had the opportunity to kind of express them to like my family because we weren't always honest about our feelings. We never really shared them. And so I thought I would kind of compile all of them into the zines, which is the past, the present and the future. And also some postcards and some posters to accompany them. In the passing, it's mostly about my family's experience and immigration to New Zealand in the late 90s and I think I mentioned somewhere that I was quite emotional during writing and um, compiling stuff for that particular zine because it was such a heavy topic for me to write about and um, because my family never really discussed it with us openly um, we would always hear bits and pieces about it here and there and we're kind of like, okay, so this is what happened and combine all the stuff we heard about into our own understanding. So in terms of what you know about that period of time in Cambodia, is it mostly what you've learnt from like books or the internet um, or wherever you get your information or did you eventually get the stories and stuff out from your parents and other family members? I would start off knowing the regime through my family members and my parents. And then later on, as I was old enough to like search the internet, I would kind of like do some research, but then I would kind of get scared and kind of uncomfortable, like reading all the like details about it. So I think I preferred hearing stories from my family instead of kind of searching through the internet. I do remember like watching a movie, The Killing Fields, and 
I had like some commentary from my dad because I think he was watching with me. He was like, oh, yeah, that actually happened. And mm. oh, I used to do that too. And what kind of stories did you hear from your family? When I was young, my grandma used to tell, um, tell me about like the first few days when she found out about the regime, like how she had to out of nowhere, like leave the house with like nothing in hand and grab like my mum. Oh, sorry, my dad and my auntie at the house and they would walk out of the city to um, the province. I recently asked my dad what his experiences in the regime and he told me that he was like herding cows to higher ground and he did some like manual labour compared to my auntie who was babysitting um, other children whose parents were forced into labour. Yeah. You've also mentioned before that you notice like certain behaviors from your grandmother. You notice certain behaviors that she does, which you have come to realize have developed from her experiences in the past. Um, can you tell me about those? Um, yep. Yeah, so I live with my paternal grandma, my dad's mum. So she has always had this like habit of um, locking doors and like, shutting curtains, and also she is kind of like scared of like strangers coming to the house and she would always like hide our bags under like cushions to I think she thinks someone will like come sell our bags and so um, in 2013 she um, had a stroke and that affected her um, speech so right now the only way we can communicate with her and how she can communicate with us is through like behaviors and so I would notice her like old habits becoming even more bold and more like emphasized than before. I kind of realized that, oh, maybe all her habits come from that fear of that first day when she had to leave her house with like nothing. She did tell me that she found out when all the like soldiers like rushed into her house and like told her to like leave. And so I think that that's why she's been doing all these um, actions and behaviours, it's probably even more scarier for her right now because she can't verbally communicate what she's um, feeling. And I think that also had a big um, influence on my family and I because um, most of us now have like this habit of double-checking everything in our bags and the locks on the door and stuff. And so it's always that sort of just ensuring that you're safe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. And so do you know what happened to your family between the regime and them migrating to New Zealand? That's also something I know quite little about, but I do know that during the time they were like planning to migrate here, there was some political um, instability in Cambodia because they just got out of the regime and everything wasn't perfect and clear because I think in the regime, they did wipe out quite a huge majority of the masters of their, like, um, our arts and all of that. They kind of executed most of... Like intellectuals, right? Yeah, like yeah. teachers intellectuals, and po- yeah. poets and basically yeah. anyone who wore glasses, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. My, my grandpa, who was a teacher, and some other family members who were teachers as well. And so how does exploring these stories and 
this history that's connected with your culture and your family, how does that make you feel? It kind of makes me feel responsible to somehow continue telling the story of my family in Cambodia to the world because I do know that not many people know about that particular time in history and even though it is fairly recent and it was such a big tragedy but it kind of surprises me that not many people know about it so as part of like the younger generation in Cambodia I want to continue telling the story to everyone. And so what was your family's reaction when they saw or read this part of the zine? Um, Aside from being shocked that you were actually interested in your um, own history. I heard that my my grandma in Cambodia, um, my mum's mum, and also like my parents and my auntie, I think they were in tears as well um, reading, especially the past scene because that was one that they could relate to the most. Um, yeah, I was quite shocked to know that they were like crying because I really saw their tears. They never really showed that much emotion to us. Yeah, probably they're probably just so staunch eh? and they yeah. just try to get on with their lives and do the best they can. Um, do you or does your family commemorate uh, um, the past in any way? We in Cambodia, we do have a annual like holiday on the 7th of January, which is like the Victory Day. I would celebrate that when I would be in Cambodia visiting because I usually go uh, during like December and January. And so during that day, most households would pull out their flag and put it in front of the house. And on TVs, like major TV channels would air like movies or like documentaries about the regime. What's it like for you visiting a country that you have a connection to but you weren't actually born in? When I was young, I think I found it quite fun to like go and visit like other family members and stuff. But then as I grew older, I do realise that the more I stay away from Cambodia and like mostly spend my time in New Zealand, I do notice that I kind of forget the like traditions and like etiquettes that are like really um, important in Cambodian culture so when I go back as like a like a teenager or something I would have to like relearn all the etiquettes and traditions all over again and that has become sort of like a cycle that repeats itself because as I'm older there's more expectations and more etiquettes that I'm expected to already know and do perfectly well. What are some examples of that? Um so in Khmer, there's like a formal way of speaking, like especially like to adults, and then there's like the like casual way. Um, I'm more comfortable in the comfortable casual way, talking with like friends and stuff, because I do speak like that with like my parents, but I can't talk in the same manner with like my grandma, for example, because she's a lot older. So I kind of like hesitate to talk to her sometimes because I feel like. I might say something wrong or something that is rude. And so it, it kind of makes me feel scared, like talking to her, like comfortably. Do you feel like though that there is some leeway given to you because you are born yeah. overseas and you're not yeah. actually living in Cambodia? Yeah. There, yeah. It's like, oh, my, it's like when my grandma would say like, oh, she was born overseas. So 
don't be offended. Um, but then when I hear something like that, it kind of also makes me feel kind of angry in a way. But like, I do know that I was born overseas, but then, yeah, just, just like that weird feeling of like, oh, I'm like a foreigner in a sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that kind of like comes into the theme of being like the in-between person, right? Yeah. That a lot of children of migrants and third culture kids, second yeah. generation, et cetera, all feel. Yeah. Can you talk to me a bit more about that experience for you? So what it was like growing up in New Zealand uh, with a different cultural background to a lot of the kids around you and also what it was like for you going to Cambodia and also feeling like you don't quite 100% belong there because you were born overseas? Um, so... I would say the major thing for me was language. The first language I learned was Khmer, of course, because I was at home most of the time with my parents and my grandma who spoke Khmer to me. And then when I went to kindy, I remember like playing by myself because I think I didn't understand what was going on around me and I didn't understand English. And um, yeah, it took me like a few uh, months to kind of warm up and understand a little bit of English and so I would say when I was young I was more fluent in Khmer than English but then now English has become more of like my first language and then Khmer would be like my second language and that kind of changes up the dynamic with me and my family because we kind of find it hard to understand each other on the same level. My parent would have a hard time understanding what I'm trying to say when I'm like translating my English thoughts into Khmer and then that would take some time and then both of us would get like frustrated because they don't understand and then I don't know how to explain myself and so yeah that's like a big obstacle for me like right now. When you say like translate your thoughts for example from English to Khmer is it just in general or is it in situations like for example if you're having an argument or like if you're debating something? So normally it would be like fine, but then when I'm trying to explain something like more deep, I don't know mm. how, yeah, yes. then I would think in English like, oh, this is what I want to say, but then it doesn't come out like that because I don't know those words in Khmer. Yeah, I totally relate. I'm quite similar in Mandarin because I didn't grow up learning it. Like you, you, you speak it with your parents, right? But you don't actually learn it as you grow. And so your level kind of just stays at like the same, like five, six year old level. But then like you try and watch the news and it's like, you have no idea what's going on because the words are too big and they're talking too fast and it's so formal. So totally understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Um, and have you at this point managed to find sort of, a middle ground or ways to get around that? For example, like Google Translate or um, yeah. trying to find different ways of explaining what you mean? Yeah, Google Translate is one of them. Um, I would Google Translate like one word and then I would like show them and they're like, oh, okay. But then sometimes it doesn't, it's not that clear or like it's kind of weird and a bit off. So um, it's because there's no context, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so. Sometimes I would like ask my auntie, I would like explain it in English or something. And then she's like, oh, yep. So that word is um, whatever. And then I would like go and tell my parents. And then my dad uses a Khmer to English dictionary sometimes. He would like 
write in command and send us the screenshot of the word in English and like, oh, yeah, okay. Have you wanted to try and learn more Khmer? I did try to learn Khmer like five, six years ago, but it was really hard. It didn't really like stay in my head that much and the like script writing is really like on a different level. Yeah, and it looks so hard. I went through like the like first grade book, but then as I got towards the end where you have to like write sentences, I was like, it like did not stay with me and I just shut my brain out. Like it was so hard. Um, yeah. I think it is hard as, as well when you're taken out of the context of being surrounded by the language. Um, and like, yeah, like I, I definitely think the best, best way of learning a language is immersively, but then you'd have to live in Cambodia and that's might not align with the things that you want to do in your life, et cetera, et cetera. So it is pretty hard, but um, yeah, it just goes to show how closely tied language and identity and culture is. So language is one of the ways that you have felt the divide. What else? I fight, I felt the divide when I get questions from people, like whenever I'm in Cambodia or like New Zealand, like, oh, in New Zealand would be like, oh, where are you from? When I'm in Cambodia, they would assume that I'm already Khmer, but then once they like kind of know me and hear my Khmer speaking skills, they'd be like, oh, so you were not born here and also like assume other things. And so what other things would they assume? Like I don't really understand the culture. I'm like kind of whitewashed in a sense and I'm like ungrateful for like Khmer. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's more like a negative thing. Um, yeah, I, I feel the negative things, but then sometimes there are like good things like, oh, you were like born overseas and you studied overseas. So you got like the good education, but then also you don't stick with the culture. There was like one incident that happened to me when I was young where we were like, I was talking with someone and then the topic came up and I told them that, oh, I was a New Zealander because I was born here. And then the response I received was, no, no, you're Cambodian because your parents are Khmer. And so that was like one of like the first few points where I realized, oh, I'm part of like two cultures and I can't choose one. Like I can't be both. I have to choose one or the other or the other. And yeah. Is, is that still how you feel? Yeah. That you can only be one or the yeah. other? Or is it more like there is an identity in and of itself of being someone who is in between? I feel like I still have to choose one over the other. But, yeah, I wish I could just be both, but then that's also quite hard. Um, one thing that happened recently was that there was like a family tradition in my family where uh, you would finish your bachelor's and then you have to do master's and then go back to work in Cambodia. But then recently I decided that I didn't want to um, stick with the tradition and wanted to work instead, not work in Cambodia but work overseas. And so that was like a big thing because I'm not following what people before me did, like my brother and my cousins and stuff, I 
decided to like walk my own path. And so I would think that staying that middle zone is like walking my own path because most of my cousins have walked, like they chose their like Cambodian side over their like other side. So I didn't have anyone before me who kind of stayed or walked their own path. Do you also feel the pressure to maybe choose your Cambodian side like your family yeah, I, has? And yeah, I did. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I feel like even though I chose to walk my own path like now, I still feel like someday in the near future I would have to go back. Have you ever thought about just not, <laughs> you know, just like – yeah. You know, like cr- carving out the sort of space for yourself where you can just be yourself and like accept that you are a sort of mixture of all the influences and cultures mm-hmm. around you. I mean, I hope to, but I think I was just, I feel like my personality and stuff is, I've always like listened to like my parents and I've always like followed what they wanted. So I've become also like a family orientated person as well because of like my my like influences and so I think it'll be like hard for me to do that but I also want to try to also like carve out my space it's just scary kind of thinking of like what they would think about me even though it sounds kind of like um sad that I care about what um my family thinks but I think the Cambodian culture kind of made me that kind of person. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that that is a prime example of the struggle between, in general, like Eastern and Western thinkings, right? The the individualism of the Western thinking versus the collectivism of the Eastern thinking. And I think it's a struggle that a lot of us are constantly battling and trying to work out and how do we balance the best of both without losing anything that that really means a lot to us. So that kind of reflects the topic or theme of your second scene, yeah. right? Yeah, I talk about my like inner struggles and um, what I feel as a second-generation Cambodian New Zealander. I think I was the most pleased with the present scene. I really like writing the second scene because I got to like lay out all like my thoughts and stuff and I remember having to like explain to like my parents about what this present scene actually meant because I had a feeling that they won't really understand that second scene because especially with like translation issues and how like how much they really understand because it was so many like rhetorical questions and metaphors and stuff so I felt like it might have been like lost in translation so I went through like each line by line to like my dad and like, oh, this is what this means. And then had to give him like an example of what I wrote. And so, yeah, it was quite an interesting experience to like really explain that thing. Have you had a lot of reaction from other people with regards to this particular part of your project? Um, just from people saying, you know, I relate to it so much. I had uh, responses from other Cambodian New Zealanders who read my zine and they were like, oh, yeah, I really relate to your zine and I like felt the same way. It was quite fun to talk about with them because I, I haven't really met quite a lot of Cambodian New Zealanders who are like around my age. So it was like kind of fun to know that uh, 
fun and nice to know that there are people like me here and that, yeah, we're not alone in this. Yeah, so important to feel like you're not alone, right? What do you think then in terms of as the generations go on and sort of the events of the Khmer Rouge, Khmer Rouge sorry, um, regime become further and more distant into history like what do you think is important for younger generations of Cambodians regardless of where they are in the world to do in order to remember and honor the past but also to continue on and to sort of heal that generational trauma that came from that massive event Mm, I think it's to try to learn about the marriage through like family members especially like your grandparents tried to like talk to them regardless of like how much you know I think it's still important to somehow like write it down or um telling the story somehow or some way like doesn't have to be like writing like an essay or anything but like or creating, yeah, creating zines. zines or like drawing <laughs> or painting like any like creative outlet you can or like you prefer to do I think it's still like a really like important thing to do and so your third scene is looking more towards the future can you talk a bit about that so um in my future zine it's more of like my wishes for like New Zealand and like the Asian New Zealand community or um like hoping that they'll be more like accepting and more like open so I think my main idea for the future was that if we all like admit to, to like our biases and prejudices and then uh what if everyone treated each other as like equals and without knowing our like cultural background and stuff like if we just treated each other as like humans like without the race without the like cultural um identity like what would that future look like like a future where we have like the patience and like willingness to like learn um, other people instead of making assumptions or judgments. So in terms of doing more work in line with what you did with your zines and things, um, have you got other projects coming up or are you hoping to do more similar kinds of work that explore your culture and heritage and identity? Um, so I think um, it was mentioned on the Migrant Zine Collective Instagram we have two zines upcoming. The first one being my collaboration with them called The Life of Inbetweeners. And it's a zine where we collate different people's um, personal stories and collage their like childhood photos into zine. But um, that project has kind of been delayed, but I think it should come out sometime this year. And then the second project was supposed to be launched um, last month on the 28th but because of COVID, that kind of got pushed back as well and it's a zine um in collaboration of like the wellington zine fest and was funded by the wellington city council and i was one of three guest editors and designer for it and it's called together apart and it's also um a like compilation of like stories from different people about 
their experiences during the pandemic and how that affected their like communication or like relationship with like their families. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you will continue to do really great work in these areas. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me and to share a little bit about your story. And um, I really hope to see more of your work in the future. Yeah, thank you for giving me this opportunity to like explain about my work and my story. Thank you as always for listening. You'll find links to Suchetta's zines and where to follow her work in the episode show notes. As always, please rate, share and subscribe as well as follow along on Instagram. Just search for Not Your Token Minority Podcast. And if you would like to share your own story, then please don't hesitate to send me a DM or fill in the form via notyourtokenminority.com.